Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. As always, I'm Bryson Carver. We have got an absolutely jam-packed show for you guys tonight. This is going to be a fun one. This is going to be a show a lot about discussion and about nuance and about, well, things that sometimes the national media, not to, not to call anybody specific, but tends to not take into consideration with a plethora of these different things. The first would be the NBA's MVP discussion, which I will get to in my third segment, which it feels as if the narrative is sorting, sort, sort of starting to shift in my favor in this one, but I'm still not quite sure that we're where we need to be with that. I'll talk about that. Um, the Chicago Bears, again, this happened during the two-week, my, my, during my two-week hiatus, I was not able to get to this, but the Chicago Bears trading the number one pick to the Carolina Panthers. I think this is one of the best offseason moves that the Panthers have made in years. I will explain that later in the show. Baker Mayfield signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think Tampa Bay, this is very strategic on their part. Jason Light is a very smart general manager. This is not a 2023 move. This is a 2024 move. I will explain uh, on, in my second segment on today's show. And at the end of today's show, my top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL in 2023, I, I do this every year. Usually, do it twice during the offseason. Once, like right as free agency starts, and then I do it. I do it once again right before the season begins, just to see if my opinions have changed on certain things. If I look at new data, because look, the you know when you get new data, you get new information. You got to change your opinions on certain things if you want to be uh, on, on top of every situation. So, my top ten quarterbacks in the NFL at the end of today's show. But first, something I did want to get into. Because I, I, I heard it's, it's kind of been in the national discussion surrounding the NBA and surrounding one of my five favorite players in the NBA, and that would be Damian Lillard. Again, anybody who's watched the show for any length of time knows that Dame is my guy. You know, it's Dame time, you know, all, all that. I always say he's, he's, he's only him and Michael Jordan uh, have two series-ending buzzer beaters in play in the playoffs. Like Dame, Dame's done that. Okay, he did it in 2014 against Houston. Did it in 2019, which was even colder because he waved goodbye to the opposition, uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and that was actually ended up being Westbrook and Paul George's last game there. So that's what Damian Lillard is capable of doing on a nightly basis. Oh yeah, this season, you know, he scored 70. 
albeit against the Houston Rockets, but folks, 70 points is 70 points. That's how great Damian Lillard is and has been. But he was on the Old Man in the Three, J.J. Reddick's podcast. And listen, I, I normally don't uh, plug other podcasts that aren't the Grid or the Fan Perspective podcast. Shout out to John John and shout out to everybody here at the Grid. But the Old Man of the Three is the best basketball podcast out there, bar none. I, I love Draymond Green. That's my guy. He's number two. J.J. Redick is one of the best basketball experts uh, out there because, you know, he, 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 play, he played in the NBA for a very long time and knows the modern game as well as anybody. Damian Lillard was on the Old Man of the Three with J.J. Redick, and he was talking that he doesn't like a shift, a change that is happening among how the NBA is perceived, not just in the media, but among players. Here's the full soundbite. Take a listen. The NBA I play in now is not the NBA that I came into, and I expect it to evolve. Everything is, is constantly changing. But I feel like I play for the love of the game. Like, I want to, I want the competition. I want to know what it feels like to win. I want to see my teammates do well. I want to see my teammates get paid. You know, like, that don't count. Regular season don't count. Get a ring. You know what I'm saying? Like, who, this guy's the MVP. This guy did this. He the first, it's like, bro, what, like, what is this stuff? Like, what is this? You know what I'm saying? Like, they was asking me about Dame, but like, to win a ring. And, and I'm like, bro, I don't need to prove to y'all that I want to win a ring. Why the hell do I play? Like, we cannot keep acting like, while I understand we play to win championships, we all want to win a championship. We can't keep acting like nothing matters. Like the rest of the stuff, the journey doesn't matter. We can't keep doing that. I think about it all the time where I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm, if I can just play a long, long time because I don't, I don't enjoy what, what the NBA as a whole is becoming. Regardless of what you decide to do, by the way, you're going to be criti criticized for yeah. it. I can give you multiple sure. examples off the top of my head for sure. where someone couldn't win a ring and they go team up with a superstar, another superstar, and when they win it, it gets discredited. So the discourse, or they go this, and don't win it, yeah, and, and now they look crazy, yeah. <laughs> and now they talk you've worse. Had, you've had some quotes about that as well, and I always look. How do you maintain a level of sanity with within this discourse? I have a life that's stable and is not based upon who I am as an NBA player. Like I don't sit here and just think about I need to leave all the time and. I'm not sitting there watching TV and hearing everything they got to say. Like, oh, I need to, I probably should do this. or I probably should do that. I'm like, when my career is over, y'all are not about to be talking about me. JJ put this. There we go. Mute, muted my microphone. My bad. Um, but JJ Reddick on his podcast was talking with, uh, with Damian Lillard and listen, this Dame is a very articulate guy and he was detailed his thoughts on what he was detailing on JJ's podcast is talk about the ring culture and how nothing matters unless you win a ring. And then him and JJ got to talking about where in some cases that doesn't even matter. I think in some instances they were sort of alluding to Kevin Durant, right? Kevin Durant joins the Golden State Warriors in, you know, in orders to get a championship in which of course he got a couple of championships there. And it was still... Yeah, but you joined a 73-win team that already won before. So KD's like, man, I can't win. You criticize me when I can't get a ring, but when I do get two rings and two finals MVPs, 
it doesn't count because I joined a great team, right? So I totally get what they're saying. By the way, I think that narrative about KD is total BS. The fact that his championships are, are, are lessened just because he joined a great team. There's a lot of examples. Maybe not to the extent of KD, but great players that have joined great teams or gotten traded to great teams. It, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a discussion that's, that I can have another day on this show. I don't disagree with Damian Lillard. I don't. What he was talking about with J.J. Redick is totally legitimate. Here's the issue, though. Here's my issue. He's missing something. It's always been this way to a certain degree. It has gotten heightened in the social media culture. It has certainly exploded in the last, what, 20 years, really since sports talk radio became a big fixture of how, uh, you know, a big fixture of the sports media, whether it's your local radio station or or ESPN or Fox Sports or or Peacock, just any of these CBS sports, whatever the case may be, it's heightened more because as sports debate has grown with some of these debate shows we see on television and, and sometimes on podcasts or otherwise, we just we tend to discredit guys. Well, they, they don't have a championship. And that's often been used to discredit Damian Lillard himself because, of course, Dame does not have a championship. He's never even been to the NBA Finals. He's only been to one Western Conference Finals. But it's always been this way. Because if you remember, remember watching The Last Dance a few years ago? Helped us, partly, partly helped us get through COVID before sports came back later that summer. And Magic Johnson and Larry Bird were both speaking, or speaking in, I mean, glowing as glowing ter- terms as you could about Michael Jordan. They said, oh yeah, that's the best guy. That's, that's the guy. He, he's the best player. He's better than us. He's the best player in the league. But there was still that narrative in Chicago and in the national media where, yeah, he's great. Yeah, he scores a lot of points. Yeah, he wins MVPs. He even won a defensive player of the year. But uh, he he got the rings like Magic or Bird's got. Can't put him in that discussion with with the greats. And then when Michael Starr won in championships, different conversation. We did this for years with LeBron before he won a championship. Again, this is kind of pre-social media. Social media was starting to, to get its lift. Facebook and Twitter. I don't even know if Instagram existed at this point yet. Where we discredited LeBron because, yes, he was getting awful Cavs teams to the playoffs. But he wasn't winning a championship. Got to one finals, but got swept by the 07 Spurs. It wasn't until LeBron got those championships in Miami that some of the, the questions started to die down. It was especially once he got that championship in Cleveland that it was like, okay, he won in, he won in Cleveland. Uh, the, 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 this is the team that drafted him, obviously, back in 2003. This is a, an organization that had never won a championship. This is a city that hadn't experienced a championship in a half century. The noise started to die down. So does it discredit guys? Great players, and Dame is exactly that. I mean, he was on the NBA's All-75 list. Does it discredit their greatness? No. 25, here's a fun fact for you. 25 of the 75 greatest players of all time, as named by the NBA media last year. If you remember that halftime show at the All-Star Game, they honored the 75 greatest players of all time. 25 never won a championship. And Damian Lillard being one of them. It does not take away from your greatness. But it sure adds to it. When you talk about the greats, you know, I mean, the the alt, the pantheon, 
all of them have championships. LeBron, Kobe, Michael, Kareem, Magic, Bird, Duncan, Steph, Shaq. Obviously, Russell Russell is the Lord of the Rings. God rest his soul. 11 championships. Hakeem. Uh, Wilt's got two rings. I mean, we criticize Wilt. We People have criticized Wilt for decades for only getting two championships. They're like, yeah, you know, the guy scored 100 points in a game. Yes, his scoring streaks, those records are virtually unbreakable. But he only got two rings. And one of them came with arguably one of the three or four greatest teams ever, which I think was the 69 Lakers with Jerry West. We we look at Will as less than Russell because Russell got more rings. Does that mean automatically mean if you have more rings than somebody, they're better? No, in that case, you know, Andre Guadala is just as good of a player as LeBron James because they have four championships. Obviously, that's not how it works. Winning, not winning championships, I don't believe takes away from your greatness. And that is what some people miss. That is what some people use to discredit guys like Charles Barkley um, or, or, or other great players, again, like Damian Lillard. What they use to discredit Kevin Durant for the first nine years of his career. Man, it adds to your legacy, though, if you win championships, even if you're an MVP. Stockton, Malone, I, 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 you know, Malone won it. Stockton never won MVP. Malone did, but two all time legends. But they fell twice the finals to Michael Jordan. So I don't think Damian Lillard is incorrect. I think he's incomplete in his assessment. And listen, that's his perspective. This is his 11th season in the NBA, all with the Portland Trailblazers. He has been lauded for his loyalty to the city of Portland, to the Trailblazers. He says he wants to win a championship in Portland. And it's something that I try to refrain from criticizing him for because, in a sense, I do respect it. Steph's won four championships with the team that drafted him. Giannis won a championship with the team that drafted him. Dwayne Wade won three championships with the team that drafted him. It, I mean, how much more special? LeBron's won four championships. Ask him. They're all special. But that one in Cleveland feels a little different. It does hit different when it's the team that drafted you. But at the end of the day, I think the narrative that we need to dispel is taking credit away from guys who won championships, not with their original team. That's what I think we needs to be removed. And Dama alluded to this. J.J. Redick alluded to this. Like Kevin Durant. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, for example. That's what I think needs to be taken apart, removed from the narrative surrounding great NBA players. So I love Dame. <laughs> That's my guy. Dame is one I always I've said for years in the show. He's one of my five favorite players in the NBA. I, if I see a Portland Trailblazers game on TV, even though they play on the West Coast, it's late. I'll watch at least five to ten minutes of it because Dame may do something incredible. Like, you know, shoot a shoot a three from half court and make it look like he's shooting a free throw. I think he's just incorrect in his assessment. Um, but look, it, it's it's uh it, it it's a fair discussion to have. It's a fair discussion to have. I, I think my biggest issues with the whole ring discussion, as Dame called it ring culture, I think the biggest thing that we need to remove is the notion that, you know. Because you didn't win with your original team, then automatically your rings don't count. That's ridiculous. That that's not fair to 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 some of the. I mean, the best players of all time. Will only won one. If I'm not mistaken, Will only won one championship with the team that drafted him. Right. You think about Kareem. Kareem won five five of Kareem's six championships. 
came with a team that did not draft him, the Los Angeles Lakers. He won one, obviously, with the Milwaukee Bucks back in 1971. There's no these discussions. They're fun discussions to have. I, I enjoy it. No question about it. But uh, we have to take other variables into consideration. Not that Dame isn't. I just think he's, his assessment is incomplete. Um, and again, I, I, I feel like Dame has accomplished so much in his career. I want to see him playing on a contender. I want to see Damian Lillard on a team that competes for championships. That's just how I look at it. I mean, I, seeing Kevin Durant last year play for the Brooklyn Nets, and even partly through this season, I, like you guys know me, after that 2021 postseason run, I never bought into the Nets after that. Never. It sucks seeing Kevin Durant, Kevin freaking Durant, one of the 13, 14 greatest players to ever play the game, be stuck with Kyrie Irving and a bunch of okay role players and Steve Nash, great player, not a great coach, and Steve Nash as the head coach on the seven-seed Brooklyn Nets. That was no fun. Katie's too great of a player to be playing for bad teams. LeBron James, I'll get it. Is he in his prime anymore? No, although I can't tell. He's averaging 30 this year. But seeing LeBron play all season long for a Lakers team that is not going to win a championship, even with the new acquisitions, we got to wait till next year to see if this can really compete for a title. It's too late this year. But we, we, we've... Like seeing Steph up until last year playing for a team in the 2020 through 21 season that had no chance of winning a title. It's great to see their individual, you know, j just I mean greatness. That's the only other word I could come up for it, uh, come up with for it. But if those stats, if those incredible performance aren't equating to winning, it doesn't hit the same. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about Damian Lillard. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. There's some news from Schefter. Something about the Titans and Kevin Bynard. Are they moving on from Kevin Bynard? It's interesting because Kevin Bynard is one of the premier safeties in the NFL. Okay, so this is the Titans approach Kevin Bynard about a pay cut. But the Pro Bowl safety does not believe his pay warrants a decrease in salary. Beinard has wanted to play for one organization and ultimately retire as a Titan, but the two sides are at a crossroads per sources. All right. So there you go. So it looks like we could have another key veteran on the market. And listen, I'm not one who's a big advocate of giving huge money to safeties. I mean, unless they're like Ed Reed or something, you know, you can find other safeties. Maybe you know, a lesser skill, but you don't have to pay him as much. You have more cap space to pay guys who contribute to a win to winning at a higher level, like pass rushers, obviously quarterbacks, uh, wide receivers, offensive linemen. But that that that's that'd be an interesting interesting guy in the market, without a question. Only game going on right now as we speak in March Madness is Iona and UConn. I actually picked Iona. I was my I think I had three three double digit seed upsets in the first round. That was. Furman, which I hit right on the money. I was very excited about that yesterday. Iona over UConn and a team that's going to play in about an hour against Miami Drake, which I have Drake getting to the Sweet 16. And then after the Sweet 16, just hold on, we're going home. And then it's over. Sorry for the Drake reference. But listen, nobody outside of my buddy, uh, Philip, who commented on the show, on my March Madness show on Wednesday, Outside of him, I don't know if anybody in, in the world saw Princeton beating Arizona, but it happened. And what the, here's what's crazy. <laughs> it was kind of an ugly game. You know, Pr uh, 
Princeton wasn't like this team that was just bombing threes all over the place and was just overwhelming for a high seed, which is oftentimes how we see these higher seeds go down. They didn't play their A game. They played what their B game, B minus game. Arizona was just bad. Uh, they just, the way they played, they absolutely deserve to lose. But we haven't had any major upsets. We almost did. Kennesaw State had had three seed Xavier on, 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 on the ropes, but Xavier won by five. Let's see. We have any other? Uh, yeah. The, oh, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Pitt upset Iowa State a few minutes ago. Beat them pretty badly. Pitt, which started in the first four, beat six seed Iowa State. So they're moving on to the round of 32. So we listen. We've had some crazy games thus far in this first round. Obviously, round of 32 begins tomorrow and then continues on Sunday. Sweet 16, to my knowledge, starts next Thursday. So or this coming Thursday. So and I'm I'm wearing I'm wearing my orange. I'm wearing my orange and white. Go Vols. This is more of a Tennessee football shirt, but it's Tennessee. Okay. Vol love, the hashtag GBO. That, that, that's, that's all over the place. We play Duke tomorrow. Am I overly confident? Eh. <laughs> the way Duke, what Duke did to Oral Roberts, who some people, not me, but some people picked Oral Roberts to possibly steal that game. That baby was over in two and a half minutes. You just immediately are like, okay, Duke's just going to overwhelm them on both sides of the floor. And Duke's playing outstanding basketball. As of late, Tennessee is not, but we took care of Louisiana. Uh, that was a game that was kind of a trap game. That was, which is weird to say trap game, in the NCAA tournament, but you know, upsets that's, that's kind of the NCAA tournament's sort of known for that. Louisiana made it a little, little scary late, but we made free throws. We got big defensive stops and we absolutely had to defensively. We weren't as sharp in the second half as we were the first half, but we'll, we'll get things going against Duke. I got Tennessee winning that game by five points, 66 to 61. You heard it here first. Tennessee beats Duke 66 to 61. Moving to the NFL. Again, there's been a lot of quarterback movement. There's been a lot of just a lot of movement in general with free agency, trades, and not to mention in a month and a half, we got the NFL draft, which I cannot wait for. We're hoping to do here on the grid some kind of NFL draft live stream show. It's kind of similar to the one if you guys are familiar of the NBA draft show that I've done with Mike Guido and with Barry Grant Jr., the two co-founders of The Grid, on my on my podcast channel, do something similar to the, with the NFL draft on The Grid channel. We're hoping to try and get that set up, so definitely be sure to stay tuned for that. But Baker Mayfield is now a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. He signed a one-year deal that's worth about $8.5 million, or it could, could earn up to $8.5 million. So Baker uh, now, now joins the Bucs, this is the third different team for Baker in the last uh, three seasons. I'm sorry, fourth different team for Baker in the last three seasons. Obviously, his last year in Cleveland, 2021, last year with the Panthers and with the Rams, which he actually played pretty well for, to his credit. I'm not a Baker guy, but he played well for the Rams. And then this year he signs with Tampa Bay. So for the Buccaneers, they're in a rebuild. And they won't. They only won eight, and get, eight games with Tom Brady, which – Albeit a declining Tom Brady, a Tom Brady that wasn't as committed to football as we were accustomed to him, accustomed to him being. But nevertheless, they were an eight-win team in any other division in the NFL. They would have no shot to get into the playoffs. They did because they played in easily the worst division in the NFL, the NFC South, and then they got blitzed by the Dallas Cowboys in the wild card round. That game was over pretty fast. So they go with with they they just cut Leonard Fournette, by the way. It looks like Levante David's coming back. I don't know if if, if, uh, uh, forgetting his name, Devin White is going to stay. I know he's putting some cryptic stuff on social media, so we'll see what's going on with that. But Baker is the Tampa Bay quarterback this season. 
for Tampa Bay's 2023 outlook, th- this feels like a five-six win team, which is what we've been used to the Tampa Bay Bucks being pre-Tom Brady. You know, Tom being here the last three years. Look, anywhere Tom goes, Super Bowl expectations will follow. They were able to to complete a, a Super Bowl season in 2020, 2021. They got to the divisional round. Had that great comeback, almost stole that game against the Rams, which the Rams ended up winning the Super Bowl, but they lost in a walk-off field goal. And then last year, they plummet to eight wins and get blown out in the wild card round. So championship expectations. Sorry, Bucks fans. That's 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 out the window. But I think it's a very smart move by Jason Light. Jason Light brings in Baker Mayfield, who's at this point a veteran. I guess we could call him that, right? He's in his sixth year in the NFL, going into that at least. He is a... You know, I talk about low-end starter, high-end backup, like with Jimmy Garoppolo. Baker's a backup. I mean, his numbers across the board are numbers comparable to that of a backup quarterback. That's what it is. And now he joins Tampa Bay. A bad division. The Saints appear to be the class of the division now that they've added Derek Carr. Carolina is now traded up to get the number one pick. I'll talk about that later in the show. Atlanta is in a complete rebuild. That feels like about where Tampa Bay is. They've released some veterans. We'll see. Maybe there's a chance. Maybe they move Mike Evans at the deadline. How many contenders would like to have Mike Evans on their team? Or even Chris Godwin, although he struggled to stay healthy. This is a long-term move by the Buccaneers. They have Baker Mayfield. They win five, six games. Um, Part of the reason I think that will be the case for the podcast, I'm sorry, sorry, apologize to the podcast audience, those listening, but for the YouTube audience, those those watching on the live stream, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, here's Tampa Bay's opponents. At home, Bears, okay, they they probably win that game. Detroit, uh, I haven't said this on my show yet, but I'll go and say it now. I think Detroit is going to be a problem this year. I think Detroit is going to make some noise in the postseason. I think a lot of this is going to happen. Kneecap. 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 Really like Detroit this year, so that feels like a loss. Jacksonville, I'm also very high on this season. I think the Jags are going to be one of the best teams in the AFC next year, especially the way they finished this season, the way that Trevor Lawrence has grown exponentially as a quarterback. So they lose to Jacksonville. Tennessee feels like they're this close to a rebuild, but I still think they're better than Tampa Bay. I would still take Ryan Tannehill over Baker Mayfield. So that's kind of a go-either-way type game. Philadelphia, no chance in the world that Tampa Bay is beating Philadelphia. And you got the three division opponents, Carolina, New Orleans, Atlanta. You, you decide amongst yourselves whether they, they win those games, whether they go 1-2, and 2-1, two, two and one or 3-0. and 3-0 oh. oh feels pretty unlikely. On the road, though, it gets kind of tough. Green Bay is a fringe playoff team with Jordan Love, but we all know winning in Lambeau is, is no joke. A lot of this is going to hinge on when they play the Packers in Lambeau. Obviously, the Bucs are a warm-weather team. <laughs> They're, you know, now, listen, they went and won the NFC Championship game at Lambeau a couple years back, but again, you might have heard of them. Tom Brady was their quarterback at that time. That was a completely different team, different coach, different circumstances, the whole bit. So that feels like a loss against Green Bay. At Minnesota, I believe the Vikings are going to take a step back, but they're still, I believe, a better football team than the Bucs are. Texans aren't pro- the pro- Texas probably aren't going to be very good, but we know they're going to have a new quarterback. So is it Shroud? Is it Young? We'll see. But it feels like they'll be certainly better at that position, which, which should equate to a couple more wins than they've gotten in the last few years. Indianapolis, same situation. I like some of the pieces the Colts have. Uh, Low-key, Lucas Oil Stadium is not an easy place to go win uh, in recent years, so you've got that. At San Francisco, they got smoked with Brady. They got no chance with Baker Mayfield. And they got at Buffalo, they're not winning that game. And then there are three divisional opponents, Carolina, New Orleans, and Atlanta. 
So that's not a, and again, Tampa Bay winning the division last year didn't help them in terms of what their schedule was this year. But maybe that's a good thing. Because now the record will be, what, 5-12, and 6-11. They'll be top 10 in the draft. And they can do exactly what the Carolina Panthers did this year. Trade up to get the number one pick. They'll have a ton of assets. Maybe they save a Mike Evans for next year. Put him in a trade package. Maybe they save a guy like a Devin White to put in a trade package. Tampa Bay has assets now. They've got draft picks. They've got plenty of, of pieces on this team that they can move. You know, to a team that maybe doesn't need the number one pick as much as Tampa. Again, it's all about a leverage game. And the Buccaneers take the number one pick and draft Caleb Williams. I really believe that's the case. That's why I think the Bucs signed Baker Mayfield. Because the thing is, Kyle Trask is the only quarterback, before they signed Baker, Kyle Trask was the only quarterback on this roster uh, that was you know contractually tied to, to the Bucs. If you start Kyle Trask, which nothing is Kyle Trask. I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. He feels like he's going to be a career backup. Although it could be wrong, but that's kind of what he feels like. If you start, start t- Kyle Trask, then it starts to feel like, okay, yeah, you're you're kind of tanking. And the NFL could do, they could come down the Bucks, kind of like they came down the Dolphins. Remember the Dolphins? They had Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen, and they were terrible. And they were, the organization was, Brian Flores wasn't trying to, but the organization was trying to tank to get the number one pick to take Tua or Joe Burrow. They could possibly do this with the Bucs, who aren't historically a well-run franchise. This feels like a strategic move for Jason Light. They get a backup quarterback starting in Baker Mayfield. They win five, six games, and they trade up to get the number one pick. That's what this feels like. I think this is a very, very smart and strategic move by Tampa Bay. Interesting question here by Philip. Shout out to Philip, who, like I said, I gave you a shout out early in the show, Philip, for you p- picking Princeton to beat Arizona, because that was, did not see that coming. I saw Furman coming. I think Drake's going to make the Sweet 16. Did not see Princeton beating Arizona, so props to you, my man. But he asked, how are you, so how are you going to pick your new NFL team? There was a lot of criteria I used, Phillip. Um, historically stable franchises kind of got a one-up. I started with about eight teams. I'm now down to about three. If I'm being honest, probably two. I think I've kind of taken the Titans out of it. And then I've got an open spot for a third team depending on where Hendon Hooker gets drafted, because I think Hendon Hooker is going to be really good in the NFL. But if Hendon Hooker ends up in like Washington or something, there's no way on earth I'm going to be a Commanders fan. I Thank God Daniel Snyder's now selling the team. I'm still not going to be a Commanders fan. I, I, I ain't doing that. Pittsburgh, San Francisco. That's, that's, that's kind of down to those two. Historically well-run franchises, fantastic ownership, which obviously the Dallas Cowboys did not have. For those of you that don't know, I was a Cowboys fan for about five years. Kind of broke ties around middle of the 2020 season because of how they kind of screwed Dak over in the contract negotiations because I was a Dak fan before he was a Cowboy. So I supported the Cowboys for the last two and a half seasons because I'm a Dak fan. Still am a Dak fan, by the way. You see his bobblehead right there, and I'll you know wear the Dak hat from time to time. But um, after a while, I'm like, okay, I can't do this anymore because rooting for Dak means rooting for the Cowboys, and I, I, I just can't do it. I can't do it. Historically stable franchises. I mean, when do the Niners and Steelers, there have been instances, especially the Niners in the last 10 years or so, when do they suck at quarterback? I mean, they're terrible, awful, horrible at the most important position. Rarely. 
They draft well. They tend to be aggressive in free agency and through the trade market. It's kind of down to those two. San Francisco's obviously a better team today, but this isn't, I'm not making this, this decision just for today, just for 2023. This is like a lifetime commitment type of thing because I don't, I don't want to switch teams after this, okay? I'm a Red Sox fan for life. I am a Warriors fan for life. I'm a Tennessee fan for life. I want to choose a team that I'm going to be loyal to, love, root for, uh, you know, celebrate wins, cry through the the, the tough losses. I want to be just, 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 in it with the with two great fan bases, by the way. Two, both have have big nationwide fan bases. So it's down to those two. Uh, but Alfred is trying to recruit me. Shout out to Alfred, Metropolis Report, which, by the way, new episode is up now on the grid. Please go check it out. It's awesome stuff. He had an amazing Edwin Diaz rant. But Alfred says, Bryson, you're always welcome at MetLife. We'll embrace you in going green. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that, Alfred. I can't do it, though. Part, part of it, though, here's, here's part of the issue, Alfred. I just can't see myself rooting for a New York team. I, I can't see myself doing that. Being a Red Sox fan, and you would know, Alfred, <laughs> there's not a Yankee loving bone in my body. I hate the Yankees. Among teams that I hate the most, it's like the Yankees, the Florida Gators, Alabama. I don't necessarily hate Alabama that much. I cannot stand their fans. I cannot stand their fans. Um, they're the worst. The Memphis Grizzlies are starting to get up on that list. Of any Cleveland sports team, I cannot stand Cleveland sports fans. I didn't, I'll never, you'll never catch me dead in a Cavs, Guardians, or, 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 you know, uh, uh, who's the other team they got? Cavs, Guardians, and, or Browns, or Browns jerseys. It's not going to happen. But, I can't I can't be a fan of a New York sports team, Alfred. I can't do it. I can't do it. I just I don't know what it is. I just can't do it. I love New York. Nothing against the city, nothing against against the incredible people of New York. I just I cannot root for a New York team. Uh <laughs> Phillips says, do not become a Pittsburgh fan. Please no. Please elaborate, Philip. Because Pittsburgh's is is among one of the most I don't want to say beloved, but certainly among one of the most respected franchises in the NFL. But I'm I'm cur- I'm curious, Philip, why, why why you say no Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm curious. Alfred says, we've got Sauce, Brees, and Garrett Wilson for years to come, LOL. Well, I don't know about Brees because running backs usually don't have the the shelf life that, that a Sauce Gardner would as a corner or a Garrett Wilson was uh, would as a wide receiver. I do think Brees is going to have a big bounce back here next year coming off the injury. Uh, I, just, I, can't, I, can't, I can't do it. I, know, I, I think I'd look funny in, in Jets green. Like, there's, like, I, I just, yeah, I can't do it. I can't do it. I respect the heck out of Jets fans, though. For what y'all put up with, hats off to you. Okay, I got to tip my cap to Jets fans. To, to fans of any long-suffering sports franchise who just wants them to win and aren't jerks about it. See, that's that's the difference for me. That's the difference for me. Cleveland fans up until 2016 had never experienced, most Cleveland fans had never experienced a professional sports championship. Lord, they you, you couldn't tell them that. It's like... Man, look around yourself, okay? How, how many rings, how many trophies, how many, how many banners you see around you? Don't tell them that, though. Ooh, they were, ooh. That, that, that summer of 2016 was, uh, that was a, that was a rough summer as a Warriors fan. I, I don't, that one scarred me for life, guys. It really did. Alfred, I'll try again next season, LOL. 
I'm sorry. I appreciate. Listen, I appreciate the love. And, and listen, so one of these days, I'm gonna head to to, to, to the Meadowlands, go to MetLife Stadium. I'll go to a game with with you, with John, John. You know, if Barry wants to show up. You know, I know he he's he's got. I, I, I don't know if Barry used to be a Jets fan or not. I know he has he has some love in his heart for the New York Jets. Hey, we we'll all go to MetLife together. Okay, Alfred, you you got my word on that. We gotta we gotta make it happen. Uh, <laughs> Alfred, I've got one Super Bowl and two World Series, and that'll happen before I was born. I'm I'm so sorry to hear that, my man. I'm so sorry to hear that because I know the, obviously the Mets got to the World Series in 2015 and fell to Kansas City, uh, and then last year I, I really thought the Mets were going to go on some kind of run. I, I really I thought they were going to get to the NLCS, and then the Padres Padres said no. But yeah, and I mentioned yesterday at the end of the show the Mets using Edwin Diaz is just a backbreaker, and it just sucks the way he went down. The fact that he was he got injured celebrating during the World Baseball Classic. Uh, I'm with you, Alfred. I'm with a lot of people that are complaining about the World Baseball Classic. Folks, have it after the season. Have it after the season concludes. Don't have it before the season begins. Don't have it during uh, during spring training. Okay, think about the NBA. When the NBA season is over, every four years. So next instance this will happen is 2024. So after the 2024 NBA Finals are over, a month, what is it, a month, month and a half after that, the Olympics will begin. And all of the best players in America will go compete, and, and the world too, because we obviously, plenty of players in the NBA are going to compete for their countries. They're going to go to the Olympics right after the season ends and have, what, a month, to, like two months basically, to rest before training camp starts? Why can't we do that in baseball? It, it doesn't make any sense to me. I, I'm not I'm not one that say, oh, just get rid of the World Baseball Plat Classic. It's a stupid tournament. Send send young players, send minor league players there. I don't really agree with that. I think it, I think it decrease. I mean, I don't watch the World Baseball Classic that much, but for the for the diehard baseball fan, yeah, this is a big tournament. You, you know that happens. You know it doesn't happen every year. Send the best players, but do it after the season's over. I mean, the NBA does it for the Olympics. I don't know why why, why Major League Baseball can't do that. You know, but. Just my two thoughts. Just my two thoughts. But there's, there's, there, there, I'm, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give my two thoughts on this next segment. Uh, okay, I, Iona is gonna lose to UConn. Okay, they're down 18 with five minutes left. They're, they're gonna lose to UConn. Okay. Hey, listen, you gotta predict, you gotta predict upsets in the tournament. I got one right with Furman. Looks like Iona is going to, to, to go down. Although they, they, they competed to their credit, they were up at halftime, but UConn turned, turned it on the second half. All right, back to the NBA. And I've really been waiting to get into this one for for a while, especially when I was off for two weeks. I've been just oh, I've been, I've been dying to get to this. So the NBA discussion, uh, sorry, the NBA NBA MVP discussion. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's really going to come down to two, two guys. Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid. Giannis certainly, certainly has a case. You look at his numbers, which are, you know, ridiculous because he's Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's the Greek freak. And the fact that the Bucs have the best record in the NBA. But it's going to come down to Jokic, who, as we all know, is the reigning back-to-back MVP, and Joel Embiid of the Philadelphia 76ers. Before I get into the discussion between the two of them, 
because I have a lot to say about that. I want to talk about the media. I want to talk about the criteria that changes every single year with the NBA's MVP voting. You guys know I had, or anybody who has watched Carving It Up for any length of time knows that I was not in favor of, we'll put it that way, Jokic winning the 2021 MVP and the 2022 MVP. I thought Steph Curry should have won in 2021. Chris Paul had a case in my view. I would have voted Chris Paul second. If you voted Chris Paul first, wouldn't have had an issue with it. In 2022, I would have voted Giannis. If you voted Joel Embiid, wouldn't have had an issue with it. But that's that's over. That's 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 you can't go back and, and change. You can't go back and change. You know the MVP voting from two years ago. Let's talk about the issue now. So Jokic won in 2021. To my knowledge, he played all 72 games. It was a 72 game season because COVID jacked up the schedules and sports. You know for for about a year and a half before it corrected itself. So Jokic played every single game his first MVP season. Okay, he averaged 26, 11, and eight. Great numbers. 26, 11, and 8. You'll take that any day of the week. The Nuggets were the three seed. If you remember, with about a month left in the season, Jamal Murray went down. And we're thinking, okay, Denver is dead. They're going to fall in the standings. If you remember, the Western Conference was really bunched up that year, kind of similar to this season. It was very, and what did Jokic do? To his credit, he elevated his level of play and led the Nuggets to the three seed, to their credit, they won a playoff series over the Blazers before getting swept by the eventual Western Conference champion Phoenix Suns in the second round. This year, or this past season rather, the case for Jokic was two things. He's carrying a bad Denver team to the playoffs without Jamal Murray, without Michael Porter Jr., and two, his statistics in year two of his MVP rate, uh, his statistics in his second MVP season were better than the statistics for his first MVP season. Which both cases are ridiculous if that's what you're basing it off of. Why? Because we've given it to other, we haven't given it to other guys who led bad teams to the playoffs. I mean, how many times did Kobe do that? How many times did Kobe get some horrible Lakers team to the, to the playoffs by averaging? I mean, what, what do you have? A four-game stretch where he scored 50 points in four straight games? Didn't win MVP. And then the case, well, he was better the year after his MVP season. Well, that's funny. We didn't give to James Harden in 2019. Well, that's funny. We didn't we give it to LeBron in, in, in 20, 2011. It's funny, we, we move the goalpost when we want a certain guy to win. Not to mention the second, third, fourth, 25th level statistics that we use to justify it. To justify this guy winning MVP. And then this season. And thankfully, today, March 17th, 2023, the narrative does seem to be changing in the right direction towards Joel Embiid. If nothing else, if nothing else, and I'll get into more than just this, but if nothing else, Joel Embiid is a better basketball player than Nikola Jokic. He is. Uh, by, any, by any metric, Joel Embiid is a better player than Nikola Jokic. First of all, Philadelphia is better than Denver this season. 
they're, I mean, they've been on a six game winning streak. Obviously, you got James Harden. You've got the, uh, uh, you got Tyrese Maxey. You've got Tobias Harris. You've got PJ Tucker, who's been in a lot of winning basketball teams. Here's the issue that I have because I'm sure a lot of folks out there say that's why Embiid shouldn't win MVP because the Sixers are better. Oh, wait, that's funny. The Nuggets, for the longest time this season, had the best record in the NBA. So that's why we should give it to Jokic, right? Well, the Nuggets were the sixth seed last year. But we rewarded Jokic for taking a bad team to the playoffs. And so he's the MVP. But this year, they got the best record in the league. We should give him the MVP because he's the best player on the best team. Well, if that were the case, why didn't we give it to Devin Booker last year? Why didn't we give it to Donovan Mitchell the year before that? They moved the goalposts. Why didn't we give it to either Steph Curry or Kevin Durant when they were together and dominate the league? They're moving the goalpost, changing the narrative. Not to mention when you talk about the Philadelphia 76ers uh, and when you talk about uh, Nikola Jokic, keep in mind, and I think this should matter, I, crazy me. I think, especially when you're talking about two players in beating Jokic that played the same position, center, they play the five spot. Shouldn't it sort of matter what happens when they face each other? Because they did back in January. Nikola Jokic, 24 points, 9 assists, 8 rebounds. 8 for 12 shooting from the field, 2 for 2 from 3. Good numbers. Like that, That's a solid performance. It wasn't anything close to what Joel Embiid did. While Jokic dropped 24, 9, and 8, Embiid dropped 47, 18, and 5 while being guarded by Jokic. Crazy me. I think the other end of the court should matter at least slightly. If you are a liability, if you hurt your team on the defensive end of the floor, and you are guarding Joel Embiid, we've seen centers in this league give Embiid problems. Remember what Bam Adebayo did to him last year in the postseason? Remember what Mark Gasol, remember what the Raptors did in 2019? It's been done. Jokic did not have an answer for Embiid. Crazy me. But when the two leading candidates for the most important award in the sport, when they actually face head-to-head and one plays significantly better than the other, crazy me, that should matter. Something else to take into consideration. Jokic is the only MVP in the NBA that we don't punish for not winning. Think about this. Giannis Antetokounmpo was the last back-to-back MVP before Jokic. He won in 2019 and in 2020. In 2021... His stats were incredible, comparable to that of his two MVP seasons, which is the case they made for Jokic, by the way. But we disqualified Giannis. Why? Well, you've never won anything. You flamed out in the playoffs twice. You can't, you can't be the MVP if you if you you know blow a 2-0 lead to the Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals and then follow that up by getting gentlemen swept by the Miami Heat after having the best record in the league. We punished Giannis for that. 
But when Jokic loses eight of his last nine playoff games, that doesn't matter. Most recent two-time MVP before Giannis was Steph Curry. Won two straight MVPs in 2015 and in 2016. What happened? Steph won in 2015, which I think helps sort of bolster his MVP case for the following season. But Steph Curry, don't remind me, as a huge Steph fan, as a huge Warriors fan, Steph, by his standards, was horrible. Horrible in the 2016 NBA Finals. Was awful. I don't use this word hardly ever on my show. It's Except when it applies, it applies here. Steph Curry choked in the 2016 Finals. He was terrible. And we punished him for that in 2017. Steph Curry did not finish in the top five for MVP when his numbers were better than his first MVP season. When LeBron James, the most recent two-time MVP before that, won back-to-back league MVPs in 09 and in 2010. When he joined the Miami Heat in 2011. No disrespect to Derrick Rose. Folks, we gave Derrick Rose an MVP over LeBron, Ramon, James. Think about that. Think We gave Derrick Rose, as great as he was that season, the MVP over LeBron, James. Why is that? Well, because LeBron, you, you lost in 09. You lost in the Eastern Conference Finals in six games to the Orlando Magic. And in, the 20, in 2010, you lost in the second round to the Boston Celtics. Never mind that your teams were clearly inferior, but you lost. You are out of the discussion for the MVP the following season. We do this to every single back-to-back MVP who's never won anything, never won anything in regards to championships, except Jokic. I think it has everything to do with the media's uh, obsession with analytics, with second, third, and fourth-level numbers. Something in the scheme of things doesn't matter. That's the problem. That is my issue, is we move the goalposts every single year for MVP, especially for Nikola Jokic. Think about somebody else who, not a back-to-back MVP, but an MVP. Dirk Nowitzki won the 2007 NBA's Most Valuable Player Award. But what happened? Because the NBA is a regular season award, but we do take the postseason into account the following season. Dirk Nowitzki in 2007, the Dallas Mavericks went 67-15, and which was, I think, if I'm not mistaken, at the time, the seventh best record in NBA history. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But Dallas, as the one seed, lost to the eight seed, we believe, Golden State Warriors in six games. And Dirk was terrible in that series. He never won MVP after that, was never even in the discussion for MVP after that, despite putting up similar numbers to that twenty to, to that 2007 MVP year. You say it's a regular season award, and it is. 
But we almost, almost always, at least for the truly great ones, the LeBrons, the Stephs, the Giannis's of the world, we take, if they come up short in the playoffs, we take that into account the following season. There's a carryover, except for Jokic, who, need I remind you once again, is 1-8 and eight in his last nine playoff games. That sound valuable to you? I rest my case. Got the comment section. Uh, Patrick Brown, appreciate you, Patrick. Host of the Chaotic Sports Podcast. What's up, man? He says, as a North Carolina Tar Heel fan, I'm rooting for your Vols to beat Duke. Go Big Orange. I appreciate you, Patrick. I appreciate you sticking up for us. And then as far as this topic, Patrick says, Giannis would be my pick for MVP. Wouldn't be mad about Joel Embiid winning it, but Philly will bow out in the playoffs. I do agree with that. I, I do. Um, but if we are going to use the criteria for Embiid, saying, well, Embiid has never gotten to a conference finals, could we use that for Jokic where he's lost eight of his last nine playoff games? By, by the way, uh, Patrick, I wouldn't have an issue if Giannis won MVP. I wouldn't. Numbers he's I mean, let me let me let me check Giannis's numbers. I know he's averaging over 30 and double-digit rebounds and is leading the best team in the NBA. I mean, that's that's something else. That used to be the criteria. Best player in the best team, which applies in some instances. Like, for example, Steph Curry winning because he leveling in scoring and steals, had a 50-40-90 season, and oh, by the way, led a team that went 73 and 9. Yeah, you give it to the a team goes 73 and 9. Like if a team ever ever goes 74 and 8 someday, we're giving the MVP to that player. Like this it's just out of the qu- most wins in the regular season ever, you got to give that the MVP to that guy. Uh but um as far as Giannis numbers, let's see do I have them right here? Okay. Giannis this season is averaging 31 12 and 5 assists and shooting 54% for the field while leading a team with the best record in basketball. So I wouldn't have an issue if Giannis is going to win it, but it feels like the discussion is more centered around Embiid and Jokic. I, I don't I don't know how you could watch the games. Again, some of that some of that should matter too. Who looks better? Okay, who who plays better on a consistent basis? Again, Embiid led the league in scoring last year. That was something else too. That used to be taking criteria. You lead the league in scoring, or your team is the best in the NBA. Nikola Jokic has never done either in his MVP seasons. I don't know. It's, uh, man, I, I don't, I don't get the logic, logic the media uses. I really, really don't. All right, let's move on back to the NFL. We're just flip-flopping on the last, last two topics of the day. will both be NFL topics. Uh, next topic after this, I've got my top 10 quarterbacks currently in the NFL. You'll definitely want to stay tuned for that. But first, Something that happened while I was off on my two-week hiatus, which is that the Chicago Bears put the Carolina Panthers on the clock with the number one overall pick in this upcoming draft, which is in, what, I guess a month and 11 days. I think the draft, the first round of the draft at least, is on February 20. I'm sorry, a month and 10 days. The draft starts on April 27th. So there you go. So the Panthers are on the clock, and it's assumed that given their their rough recent history with quarterbacks that they're probably going to take one. I'm hearing reports of CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, which I do not get that one at all. I mean, before I get, you know, I'll, I'll say my thoughts on Richardson for this one, but I am not high on him in the slightest. But as far as this trade goes, as far as the specifics of this trade, the 
Bears trade the number one pick. So Carolina gets the number one pick. The Chicago Bears get a haul. They get DJ Moore. You guys know I, I really like DJ Moore. I think he's one of the more underrated receivers in the league. Uh, from the Carolina Panthers, they get DJ Moore, the ninth pick, a second-round pick this year, next year's first-round pick from Carolina, and a second-round pick in 2025. So they got they got two second-rounders, two first-rounders, and a great well, maybe not great. Great's not the word to use. A very, very good wide receiver. A guy who's like fringe number one receiver in the NFL. I think the Chicago Bears won this one, guys. Here's why. As much as I like the prospects in this upcoming draft, at the quarterback position, I really like Bryce Young, but I have questions about his size. I really like C.J. Stroud but no Ohio State quarterback has ever really panned out in the NFL, certainly one that's been drafted high. Okay, I really like Will Levis, but I do have some questions about the fact that he had some stinkers in college. That matters to a certain degree. I mean, J Jalen Hurts didn't have many stinkers in college, certainly when he was in Oklahoma. I really like Hendon Hooker. I'm just a little bit concerned about his health. I'm not high at all on Anthony Richardson, which I, I'll sort of get into a little bit later. All quarterback prospects in this draft all have, I would not say major question marks for all of them, but question marks that you cannot avoid. For Bryce, it's size. For uh, Stroud, and maybe this isn't fair to Stroud, but for Stroud, it's his alma mater. For Hooker, it's his health. For Levis, it's the fact that he didn't really win a whole lot in college, albeit it played at Kentucky, which is not an SEC powerhouse. And for Richardson, it's... He's not that accurate. And yeah, I mean, he, with Florida's talent, Florida's always a powerhouse in the SEC, only won six games. Next year, I love, love the two major quarterbacks in that draft. Caleb Williams out of USC, who I think is the clear-cut number one pick in this upcoming draft, in, in the 2024 draft, rather, and Drake May, the quarterback for North Carolina, he's got everything. All the tools that you want, similar to Caleb Williams. That, to me, and this to me is where Carolina might have made a mistake. Those, those two guys are who you trade up to go get. That, that's where you trade up to get the first pick or the second pick. I don't think this is the draft to do it. I could be wrong, but I'm not sure this is it. For Chicago, on the other hand, this is year three for Justin Fields. He was really bad his rookie year. Last year, had seemed like he had a, a one or two highlight plays, one or two OMG plays every single game, but still not all that accurate throwing the football. Um, still, you know, still missed some reads, still some more development he, he needs to make as an overall passer. But there's a guy in Philadelphia who was able to make those improvements, and that's Jalen Hurts. They surrounded Jalen Hurts. They, they, you know, they, they drafted Devontae Smith, but then they added A.J. Brown. Obviously, Dallas Goddard was already there. They loaded, they spent a ton of money in free agency on the defense and, and in the offense, made some trades midseason. Now, am I insinuating the Chicago Bears are going to be a championship contender next year? Absolutely not, even in the weak NFC. Uh, am I discounting that they could be a playoff team? No, I think they have the requisite talent to maybe sneak into that six or seven spot. But be that as it may, the Chicago Bears are saying, similar to what the Giants are doing in a different sense, what I talked about yesterday with them acquiring Darren Waller, let's see if Justin Fields is the guy. Let's see if he makes that big improvement from year two 
to year three. Because he made it from year one to year two. Let's say if he can keep improving and let's help him out. Let's add DJ Moore, who's proven to be one of the better wide receivers in the NFL that we don't talk about. Why? Because he played in a losing team for years in Carolina and he never had a star quarterback. He has a chance to do this now with Justin Fields. By the way, they've got Chase Claypool. They've got Darnell Mooney. And they had draft picks. They have assets now. They have, if midseason, say they're, you know, say they're sitting there at, 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 at four and three, and they're like, okay, we kind of like what we're seeing from Justin Fields. You could use those assets, help out the offensive line, help out the defense. I really, really like this move for Chicago. I like uh, Eberflus, their, 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 their head coach. I like him. I think he's built a solid culture in Chicago. The defense will improve. Eberflus is a defensive coach, thus the defense should improve this upcoming season. By the way, they they made some major acqu- that they they uh, added some guys in free agency at the linebacker linebacker position. So Chicago is going all in to make sure. Okay, is Justin our guy? If not, okay, we move on and we trade up to get either Caleb Williams or Drake May. Chicago, for the first time in a long time, seem like they finally have a plan. Seem like they've got something in place to where they're saying, if this happens, we'll do this. If it doesn't happen, we'll do that. It feels like for the past decade plus, they've been sort of flying by the seat of their pants. They got Jay Cutler, and then they drafted Trubisky, and then that didn't work, and it was kind of a mess. They made some playoffs here and there. They've got an or they've got organizational direction. Good for Chicago. I I like this move. I, I really, really do. For Carolina, a little confusing, but you know me. You know how I am. I really like teams that are, are aggressive that go all in. I'm just not sure this is the draft to go all in for your franchise quarterback. Next year, definitely. Def, it's kind of like the 2020 draft where you had Burrow, you had Herbert. I was never high in Tua. Still, I'm not high in Tua, but Tua is still a, a, a solid starting quarterback in the NFL. You know, they got Jordan Love. We'll see what Jordan Love turns out to be. Like 2020 had some really good quarterbacks. 2018 had some really good quarterbacks. You could see a similar situation, I think, next year in the 2024 draft. But I, I like this move. I really do. For the Bears and for Carolina, I, I respect their aggressiveness. Philip, the Panthers need to go get C.J. Stroud. He is the better NFL-ready quarterback than Bryce Young because of his size. And again, something else, too. When you mention the size, Philip. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How well are these shorter quarterbacks in the NFL doing? Not great. We saw Russell Wilson last year. We've seen Kyla Murray really since the middle of the 2021 season to now. He hasn't panned out, and he's hurt. By the way, a lot of these smaller guys get hurt more often. Baker Mayfield's dealt with injuries. Russell, Kyler. So that's that's the only concern. I, I love Bryce Young's arm strength, his 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 accuracy. He's mobile enough. He's not like a guy who's like a, what you call a running quarterback, but he can move. There's no question about it. And his intangibles, his his presence in the pocket is, he's unflappable, man. I he is as cool as a cucumber, and Saban tends to like those guys at quarterback. 
it's it's I'm telling you, it's hard to get past the size. I, I'm I'm with you there, Philip. I, I do like Stroud more as a prospect. Philip, the Bears absolutely fleece the Panthers. Still get a top ten pick and get a number one receiver in DJ Moore and a few uh, few future good picks. I'm with you. They have assets now, and they have. It feels like they somewhat know what they're doing, which, trust me, Bears fans have been have been questioning that for quite some time. Patrick Brown, Anthony Richards' combine is all the hype, but it depends on who drafts him and builds around. I feel like Richardson is a mid first round pick unless there's some crazy trade. Here's my thoughts on Anthony Richardson. He is clearly a freak athlete. People have compared him to Cam Newton out of the 2011 draft, to Josh Allen, which I think is the more appropriate comparison out of the 2018 draft. He's big. He, like like you mentioned, Patrick, dominated the combine. I think really helped his draft stock in that regard. I got two questions about him, though. One, he had SEC talent. At Florida. And he won six games. Now they beat Utah in the season number. I, m- I remember watching that game. They beat Utah who, who ended up winning the Pac-12. Uh, at home in Gainesville. He had a solid game against my Tennessee Volunteers. In September. But he sort of was up and down. Tailed off. I remember he had a really bad game against South Carolina. I'm sorry. Did they beat South Carolina? Yeah. I just remember him struggling that game against the, the Gamecocks. But the, the other concern that's far more pressing to me. He's not that accurate. I mean, he completes like barely over 50% of his passes. And that usually accuracy is something I heard. I've heard Troy Aikman talk about this. There's, there's, there's exceptions. Josh Allen being one of them, but accuracy is something you either got it or you don't. Cam Newton came into the NFL as a 55% on a good day, 60% completion guy. He exited the league as a 55%. 60% on a good day completion guy. You know, Tim Tebow did not complete a, 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 you know, was not an efficient quarterback at Florida. Now, Tebow had a, a ton of mechanical issues that Richardson doesn't have, but Tebow came in the NFL, 50% completion guy, left the NFL like a 45% completion guy. Like, accuracy is not really a question I have about Stroud, Young, Hooker, or Levis. L- Levis a little bit, but not near to the extent of Richardson. That's what I think is the concerning aspect. But I do agree with you, Patrick, that it is going to depend on who drafts him. If there is a team that takes him, builds around his strengths, and listen, the kids are going to get better. If they put the work in, if they're if the requisite talent around them uh, is, is, is good enough for them to develop, then they could become they could become something in this league. But it's man, it, the accurate. It's hard to get past the accuracy thing. Like if you ask me between uh, Richardson or Bryce, I'm taking Bryce in a heartbeat. I'm taking Bryce in the heart because the skill set is not what bothers me about Bryce. The intangibles are not what bothers me about Bryce. It's the size. Richardson, I don't really know a lot about his intangibles. I, as far as I know, he's, he seems like a decent leader. Seems like a solid kid. Um, I have no questions about his athleticism, but man, the accuracy is a problem. It's like if you could give Bryce. <laughs> Uh, Richardson's size, he's the clear-cut number one pick in this draft. But uh, that that is obviously not the case. Uh, okay, here's 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 some pretty... I don't want to say meaningless news, because, you know... But this is according to Schefter. The New York Jets have had trade discussions with other teams regarding their punter, Braden Mann, per source. I don't know if I've ever heard of trade discussions surrounding a punter. But as Rich Eisen, the great Rich Eisen once said, punters are people too. And so, 
listen, punters are valuable. They're, they're, they're field flippers. Okay. You know, if, if you need uh, punters can kind of get you out of jail sometimes if you're, if you're in a bad field position, but he punters are valuable. Uh, they're, they're not, they're by no means meaningless on a football team, but so yeah, if you wanted some punter trade news, there you go. Uh, thanks to Adam Schefter for that. Uh, last topic of the day, really looking forward to this is listen, we know the NFL is a quarterback's league, uh, which we, I got a comment here from Patrick. QB is the one position teams have to get right or still be drafting one every three to four years. That is a agreed, Patrick, and that is a perfect comment to lead me into this last topic of, of the show. The NFL is a quarterback's league. I've been saying this on the show for a long time now. It's a quarterback's league. You can have the perfect roster, but if you don't have that guy behind center, it does not matter. And obviously, we, we saw it. last season with Patrick Mahomes. He won the league MVP. He had Travis Kelsey and not a not much else in terms of skill position players, at least compared to what he'd had in previous years. And he led them to the Super Bowl, led them to a led them from a double digit comeback to win the Super Bowl against the Philadelphia Eagles, who I felt like had a slightly better roster. There's a debate among fans, media, players. They do every summer, they do the top 100 players in the NFL. I love watching that every year. Who's the best players? That's a tough argument to have. I've done that in the past, top 10 players in the league, but it's hard to compare a defensive lineman to a, to, to a wide receiver. It's just, it's hard. You got to take value into account, stats, impact on winning. We understand that, but it's hard to do. It's like comparing a pitcher to a designated hitter. Pitchers are more valuable, but it's hard to do. It's hard to compare them in terms of skill set. Quarterbacks, different story. Quarterbacks come in different shapes, sizes, skill sets. But what matters via day, at the end of the day, your numbers, your impact on winning. I think uh, hardware should matter, MVPs, championships, the whole bit. So without further ado, let's just go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, here are my top 10 quarterbacks uh, in the NFL. We get the background music going uh, right here. Is this it? All right. All right. Background music going on right now. Let's jump right into it. My top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL in 2023. Starting at number 10, it is my man. You guys know I love this guy. Derek Carr. Now a new member of the New Orleans Saints. Derek Carr to me is the 10th best quarterback in the NFL. He dropped on my list. I'll show you last year's list in just a second. Uh, he dropped on my list last year from number 8. I am as the 8th best quarterback just considering what he did with just absolute chaos around him in Las Vegas to get that team to playoffs was incredible. I said he should have finished in the top three for MVP that season. This year, though, he took a little bit of a step back. I get it. He, they downgraded a head coach, but they did add Devontae Adams. They, you know, they they, they, they struggled to, to win games, struggled to win close games. While certainly a lot of that fell on Josh McDaniels, on the defense, on the coaching staff, some blame does still go on the quarterback because he is, uh, you hope, the best player on your team and certainly the most important player on your team. Uh, but Derek Carr is a guy who, year in and year out, he's up there in passing yards. He's up. There, he's one of the more efficient quarterbacks in the NFL. He's one of the better uh, leaders in the NFL. Really, the one thing missing from his resume, the one pressing thing missing from his resume, is the fact that he has yet to win a playoff game. He's only started one, and that was a couple years ago against the Cincinnati Bengals on the road, which, to his credit, he almost won that game. But he's now a New Orleans Saint. It's a confusing fit just because I don't think the Saints are in position to really compete for championships. However, 
it's certainly much better organizational structure, much better ownership, much better general manager. Uh, not sure it's a much better coach with Dennis Allen, although he had Dennis Allen to start his career. But just better pieces around him. I feel like the Saints are going to be a playoff team this year. I think Derek Carr, after throwing double-digit interceptions this year, which I don't think is, is a big, like, oh my goodness, you're, you're, you're awful. Touchdown-interception ratio means a lot to me uh, if you throw double-digit interceptions. I think Derek Carr is going to bounce back from having a little bit of a turnover problem. He's going to have a good season this year in his 10th season in the NFL. It's crazy how fast time goes by with the New Orleans Saints. Derek Carr, to me, is the 10th best quarterback in the National Football League. To number nine, a guy who he used to be in the same division with, Justin Herbert. Now, a lot of people have Justin Herbert a little bit higher on their list. I actually moved him up a spot from where I had him last year. I'm his 10th best quarterback uh, a year ago. You guys know how I feel about Justin Herbert. I was all on, in on him coming out of the 2020 draft. I said he'd be the best quarterback. That obviously ended up being Joe Burrow, but Justin Herbert has absolutely you know, held up his end of the bargain in terms of what he's produced for the LA Chargers in the three years he's been there. He's taken, he took a bad coach, just going to say it outright, a bad head coach, Brandon Staley, to the postseason last year. He's always up there in passing yards, passing touchdowns, accuracy. Uh, he's one of the more, he plays a lot of clean games, doesn't turn the ball over a lot. And something that Justin Herbert doesn't get enough credit for is he's incredibly mobile. Another thing he doesn't get enough credit for is he's got a monster arm. And unlike a lot of quarterbacks with big arms, he's not a guy who has to, you know, feel like he shows you his big arm. I feel like Mahomes kind of got in trouble with that for a while. Uh, Josh Allen tends to get in trouble with that. Justin Herbert really does it. He's, he's very smart. Anyways, he's, he's, he's good in the pocket. He's good, you know, moving with his legs. Uh, the only reason that he is low on my lower on my list, and I think he'd be on other people's list, he has yet to win a playoff game. And we've seen quarterbacks, I'll, I'll get to some of them later on, who have had lesser talent, uh, lesser head coaches that at least have that. Justin Herbert, to me, is the ninth best quarterback in the NFL uh, in 2023. Number eight, my man, Rain Dakota. Prescott, just because I'm not going to support the Cowboys anymore doesn't mean I'm not going to support Dak. Dak Prescott, the Walter Payton Man of the Year, by the way, is my eighth best quarterback in the NFL. Uh, Dak was, I think he was ninth on my list. You say, how on earth does Dak go up after the season he had last year, which was a roller coaster? Was He led the league in interception despite missing five games. Here's why. The Cowboys were a team coming into last year that I had almost no expectations for. I said, okay, they'll win the NFC East, which I didn't know was going to be really good this season, and they'll get bounced in the first round pretty convincingly. No. Dak took over a team that was among one of the worst offensive teams in the NFL with Cooper Rush, which congrats Cooper Rush signing that deal to stay in Dallas, getting his money. But yes, with Cooper Rush, the Cowboys winning games, sure. They were abysmal offensively. I mean, they were like... Bottom, bottom of the league offensively. Dak takes over. They're far and away the best offense in football in terms of yards, points, touchdowns. Uh, Dak led some game-winning drives last year and led this team to, to, to 12 wins, which is the the first first time the Cowboys have won, had back-to-back 12-win seasons since the 90s. So, like Dak does deserve some credit for that. Oh, and by the way, you know Tom Brady, ever heard of him? Dak Prescott sent that man into retirement. Wasn't any of the it wasn't Mahomes, it wasn't Dak Prescott sent Tom Brady into retirement. Uh and, and given what he 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 had around him. Yes, he had CD Lamb. That was it. Okay. Michael Gallup could not separate to save his life. I've shown the numbers numerous occasions. Cowboys receivers, whether it be Schultz, Gallup, Noah Brown, good riddance. He's a he's a Houston Texan now. Could not separate. Dak's a guy who likes to spread the ball around. But when only one guy, number 88, is open, it's hard to do that. So 
Dak Prescott to me, the eighth best quarterback in the NFL. Uh, I kind of like Dallas next year. I think Dak's going to have a big year, a really big bounce back year, especially as it pertains to the turnovers. Uh, with with his head coach, Mike McCarthy, now calling plays. Number seven on the list is a guy who used to play for Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers on my list last year was the fifth best quarterback. I have him down two spots uh, for two very, very obvious reasons. I talked about yesterday on the show his his numbers in 2022 were underwhelming by his standards, to say the very least, a four-time MVP. He was 19th in pass yards per game, 26th in picks, 16th in pass rating, 26th in QBR, and had it was dead last, had zero 300-yard passing games, has yet to have one of those since the 2021 season back in week 14. So a year and a half ago, basically, since Aaron Rodgers has thrown for 300 yards, not to mention his team finished with a losing record and missed the playoffs in, if we're being honest, kind of a weak NFC. I mean, it was. The Giants made the playoffs. Uh, the Seahawks kind of snuck into the playoffs via the Packers' loss. Aaron was underwhelming in terms of leadership. Numbers. I feel like, you know, we, 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 I always say Tom Brady was the great outlier that was a nickname I always use for him. Don't compare your aging quarterbacks to him. Quarterbacks don't age like that. Aaron Rodgers is not going to be any different. He's 39 years old. Are the Jets going to be better this year with Aaron Rodgers? Of course they are. Of course Aaron Rodgers is better than Zach Wilson or Mike White uh, or, or, or Strebo, that guy they had towards the end of the year. Or Joe Flacco, certainly. But man, he's aging. Uh, his numbers reflect it. His impact on winning reflects it. That Packers team was good enough to get in the postseason last year if he had been able to play better, certainly in some of those games against Detroit, getting swept by the Lions. Bad, bad look for Aaron Rodgers. He is the seventh-best quarterback, in my view, in the NFL. At number six, it is Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, to me, is the sixth-best quarterback in the NFL. He was not in my top ten last year, but I think well, what's unique about Lamar Jackson compared to the other quarterbacks that are on, on this list is you saw his impact when he was gone. You learn a lot about, about teams in the NFL when, they, when, when, when they're absent. You, 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 when, when their best player's absent, when their quarterback's absent. You learn a lot about uh, any industry. If a really important person is, you know, goes on vacation or whatever the case may be, if they're not present, you can learn a lot about how valuable they are. And the Ravens, folks, were uh, horrible offensively. They could not move the ball. They could get. They couldn't get anything going in the passing game. And with Lamar Jackson, they were in line to potentially, potentially for a while, be the number one seed in the AFC. With Mark Andrews as his only legitimate wide receiver after they lost Hollywood Brown, if they traded Hollywood Brown to the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray is uh, Kyler Murray. Uh, Lamar Jackson is a league MVP. That is something that very few guys on this list. Matter of fact, I'm looking at the list now. Yeah, only Rodgers and Mahomes on this list can say that they've won a league MVP. Uh, he has improved every single year in terms of accuracy, in terms of uh, his pocket presence, awareness. This this notion that he's not a good thrower from the pocket is ridiculous. He proved that incorrect last year. This notion that he can't play from behind is ridiculous. He proved it time and time again two years ago and at times last year. Uh, the only reason I've got Lamar Jackson at six is for this reason. A, he only has one playoff win, and B, he's ended the last two seasons injured. He's a Baltimore Raven today. That could change at some point within the next few months. We'll see. But I still think at his peak, Lamar Jackson is just about as good of a quarterback as you could possibly ask for in the NFL. Not to mention, folks, he wins 75% of his games. And you say, well, quarterback wins. That's that's not a, a, a stat that's 
you know, that that that's not reflective enough of how impactful a quarterback is. You're right. See Jimmy Garoppolo. But when Lamar Jackson was gone, the Ravens were terrible. When Jimmy Garoppolo was gone, the Niners made the NFC Championship game. So Lamar Jackson, to me, is the sixth best quarterback just outside the top five. Uh, sixth best quarterback in the league uh, on my list here. Into the top five now. The fifth best quarterback in the NFL is another guy who was nowhere near my list last year. And that would be Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, to me, is the fifth best quarterback in the NFL. We say, well, it's just one season. Yeah, but it was really good. It was a season in which Jalen Hurts was in the MVP discussion. Again, you learn a lot about what the Philadelphia Eagles were when he was absent. In the regular season, Philadelphia, 13-1 when Jalen was healthy. I'm sorry, 14-1 when Jalen was healthy. 0-2 when not healthy, including a bad loss at home to the New Orleans Saints. What he did last year in the postseason, there was a lot of questions coming into the Super Bowl. Okay, Jalen Hurts, yeah, you beat the Giants, but come on, they're the Giants. They, they, nobody thought they were going to go far. Nobody even thought they were going to make the playoffs. Yeah, you beat the 49ers, but they had Christian McCaffrey basically playing quarterback. Yeah, of course you're going to. Let's see what you do in the Super Bowl. Well, let's see what Jalen Hurts did do in the Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs. 27 for 38, 300 yards, one touchdown uh, uh, through the air, three through the ground, including 70 rushing yards, a QBR of 79, and a passer rating of 103 against a very, very good Kansas City defense. His improvement as a pure thrower of the football, combined with his ability to run the football at a high level, makes him one of the most tough, the, one of most the one of the most difficult quarterbacks in the league to defend. He is a defensive coordinator's worst nightmare. And I, what's scary about Jalen Hurts is I think he's going to continue to get better. He got better from year one to year two. He got way better from year two to year three. And listen, don't be shocked if you see Jalen Hurts in the MVP discussion next year as you did this past season. He, to me, is the fifth best quarterback in the NFL. The fourth best quarterback in the NFL, to me, is a guy who was ranked at number, or was he last year, at number three. And that would be one Josh Allen. You say, why does he fall spot on your list? Well, two reasons. Some of it had to do with the fact that Brian Dable is absent, obviously taking the job to be the head coach for the New York Giants, doing a remarkable job there in New York. And if you look at Josh Allen's numbers without Brian Dable and with him, night and day, he's a different quarterback. Turnovers became a big problem with Josh Allen last season. Uh, accuracy really became a problem for Josh Allen. He started to press. He started to to play out of, outside of his game, or at least what we've been accustomed to seeing him play for the previous two seasons up to that point. And the second thing was, the Buffalo Bills are sort of going backwards. 2020, they make the AFC Championship game. 2021, they lose in the divisional round, but Josh Allen played one of the greatest games that any quarterback has ever played in the history of the league. The problem was he lost the game because Patrick Mahomes played just a little bit better in that all-time classic between the Chiefs and the Bills. And then this year, they get embarrassed in the divisional round on their home turf against the Cincinnati Bengals. So Josh Allen has gone backwards just a little bit, just a step. I expect him to have a bounce back year. I think the Bills are going to take you know some of the criticism that's been thrown their way personal and be a factor once again in the AFC. But Josh Allen, mobile, massive arm, improved on his accuracy. Was, I was talking about Anthony Richardson earlier. It's kind of the outlier to that you either got accuracy or you don't rule. He went from a 52% completion guy to like a 65-70% completion guy. So he's efficient. He's just got to clean up the turnovers. And the Bills got to go further than the playoffs. Okay, this the, the championship window for Buffalo. I think he's got another three to four years. 
got to start striking while the iron's hot now. You got to at least make a Super Bowl sometime in the next couple of years. Josh Allen is certainly more than capable of doing so, which is why, to me, he is the fourth best quarterback in the NFL. Into the top three now. This can be controversial. You're like, well, if Allen is in the top three, who is? I'll tell you who, exactly who is. Trevor Lawrence. Obviously another guy who was not on my top ten last last year because he had an abysmal rookie season. Although who wouldn't would Urban Myers your head coach? But Trevor Lawrence to me is the third best quarterback in the league going into this upcoming season. Think about this for Trevor Lawrence, okay? From week nine on to basically the end of the season, all of his numbers rank at or near the top of the league. Touchdowns, touchdown to interception ratio, passer rating, QBR. Pa- uh, 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 yeah, touchdown interception ratio, ratio missed that. He did not turn the ball over the whole bit. And Jacksonville was dead in that AFC South before he led. I think it was a, a four-game winning streak, five-game winning streak. I can't remember to get the Jaguars into the playoffs. They, of course, came back from 27 nothing down against the L.A. Chargers. Trevor led a game-winning drive. He had to score. To lead that comeback, Jacksonville had to score on every single drive in the second half. That's exactly what they did. Uh, and Trevor Lawrence, by the way, was not the reason that they lost to Kansas City in the division round. He was excellent. Problem was, well, some of his receivers just weren't able to make the plays, which is, it, you know, it's a young team. It, it, it's, it's bound to happen at some point. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have a monster season in 2023 with Doug Peterson, who's kind of become the quarterback whisperer, who's become one of the better coaches from the Andy Reid tree. And the man won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles at quarterback, okay? And Nick Nick outplayed Tom Brady, who played great in that Super Bowl back about five years ago. Trevor Lawrence is going to have a huge year. Accuracy, big arm, great leadership. Uh, He's got the size. Like, Trevor is one of those guys, like, you tank for Trevor. Like, I'm not a huge tanking guy. I'm totally fine if you tank for this guy, which the Jaguars obviously did. It succeeded. They will reap the benefits of it for years to come. Trevor Lawrence, to me, is the third best quarterback in the NFL. At number two, I think the top two are fairly obvious. At number two is Joe Burrow. When you consider what Joe Burrow inherited, it's part of the reason that when he was drafted in 2020, I said at the time on my show three years ago, he's not going to work in the NFL. He's going to Cincinnati, for crying out loud. They've got a horrendous offensive line. I don't love their coach, Zach Taylor. And they play in a brutal division, in a brutal conference. Yeah, what Joe Burrow's done since then, after getting injured through the middle of his rookie season in year two, wins comeback player of the year, leads the Bengals to the Super Bowl. Last year, gets even better as a pure thrower of the football. Bengals still have offensive line issues at that point because of injuries suffered uh, in that unit. And he gets them that close to the AFC, I'm sorry, that close to the Super Bowl, to set two straight Super Bowls, which when he was drafted would have been unthinkable for the Cincinnati Bengals. That's how great he is. He is a guy who can elevate guys. I understand you say, well, he's got Higgins and Tyler Boyd, and who could forget about Jamar Chase? I think Hayden Hurst is a very good tight end. Bengals have a good defense. Yeah, but you could say the same case about a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. You could say that about Josh Allen. You could say that about, for years, Aaron Rodgers. You could say that about Jalen Hurts. But it's Joe Burrow, who year in and year out has the Bengals. Every year he's healthy, they at least get to the AFC Championship game. That is hats off to him. I did not think he played very well in the AFC Championship game. That's neither here nor there. There's no shame in losing to number one on this list. This, This is not even a debate. Patrick Mahomes. 
And you, you see, for, for the podcast audience, I, the, the, I put up the pictures of these quarterbacks, usually with their helmet on, about to throw a pass. For Patrick Mahomes, I said that that's not appropriate. I'm going to put a picture of him holding the Lombardi Trophy because that's what he did a month and a half ago. What is what is there to say? He might have the best arm in the league. He's among one of the three or four most accurate quarterbacks of the league. He can make your best linebacker or corner look silly on any given play. He does not know the NFL as a starter without at least hosting the AFC Championship game. He has two MVPs, two Super Bowls, and two Super Bowl MVPs. Again, when you look at his resume through the first uh, five years, five straight AFC Championship games, five straight division titles, five straight 12-1 seasons, two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs, and two NFL MVPs. And there's also another stat for Patrick Mahomes that there's only three guys in NFL history with two Super Bowl MVPs and two league MVPs. Their names? Mahomes, Montana, Brady. Mahomes, to me, I did a list about a month ago. The top 10 quarterbacks of all time, I've got him fourth. His resume, folks, he's five years into his career. His resume is unmatched by almost every quarterback that's ever played the game. To me, outside of Brady, Montana, and Peyton Manning. But I think Peyton needs to look over his shoulder. Give this guy another Super Bowl, another league MVP. He's got Peyton in my book. There's no question about it. Hey, I look, Peyton's my guy. I'm a Tennessee guy, obviously. Peyton came up too, uh, short too many times the postseason for me to put him any higher than third. The Mahomes, folks, it's, I mean, saying Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL is like saying Steph Curry is the greatest shooter of all time. Like, it's it's not, nobody even talks about it. Who's, who, actually, I think Burrow's pretty obvious too, but who's, who's third? Who's the third best quarterback? I think it's Trevor Lawrence. But uh, yeah, let's look back over my list. Actually, before I look back over my list, let's show my list from last year, which looks drastically different, by the way. Totally different. Uh, first of all, for who's number one, because the number one guy just retired, Tom Brady. But at this time last year, I did my list. One through 10, I had Brady, Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Rogers, Wilson, ugh, Stafford, Carr, Prescott, Herbert. And then this year, uh, for the 2023 quarterbacks, I've got Mahomes, Burrow, Lawrence, Allen, Hertz, Jackson, Rogers, Prescott, Herbert, Carr. Those to me are the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. We've got a comment here. Uh, <laughs> you know, Patrick was talking about QB is the one position teams have to get right or still be drafting one every three to four years. Ask the Bears in 2017. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, the Bears could have taken Patrick Mahomes and they took Mitch Trubisky. That was a. Uh, that was not a good decision. I think it's safe to say. Uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get back to my TV because my Golden State Warriors are playing pretty soon, and you've got a ton of March Madness games going on. What do we have here? Uh, okay, Fair Dickinson is giving Purdue problems. Purdue only leads by four with three minutes left in the first half. Hmm. Well, I did hear a player for Fair Dickinson after they won their first four game talk about, "Hey, we scared of Purdue." Hey, you can tell they're only down by four. I haven't got a chance to watch the game yet, but hey, they're 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 holding they're holding they're holding you know their own. And then six seed Kentucky versus eleven seed Providence. Kentucky leads early in that one, eight to six, about seven minutes into that game. So, and we've still got one, two, three, four, five more games still to tip off. So we basically got seven games left tonight in the first round. And then tomorrow, you've got the round of 32. Tennessee beats Duke 66-61. You could take that to the bank. I'll clip this, and you're going to hear it on Monday's show. Okay? When I come back from Monday, Tennessee will be in the Sweet 16. 
You can book that. You, you can take that to the bank. All right, that is all the time we have for today's show. I appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Be sure to catch Carving It Up Live on Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. And be sure to go like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. Uh, and be sure to go subscribe to The Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, The Grid Podcast Network on YouTube, which is the network I'm a part of. You can find my content on there. You saw Patrick Brown in the comments. You can find the Chaotic Sports Podcast. He's got a new podcast coming soon called the, the Forum Lakers Podcast. All the latest news and opinions you need regarding the Los Angeles Lakers, the purple and gold. you got the Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast. They put out some new content as of late. Okay, there, 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 there are our Cowboys podcasts here at the Greg. Great guys uh, in Canada, Alex, Anth, uh, uh, Alex, uh, Anth, and Adam, who we had on the show about a month ago. Loved having him on. Would love to get the whole whole group on. That'd be fun. But we've also got Barry Grant Jr. the All Even Podcast, Alpha Parsar Jr. You saw him in the comments. Metropolis Report new episode just dropped today. Please be sure to go check it out. It's great, great stuff. We've got who else? Ryan Flowers, Clutch Sports Talk. He's got some great football content on, on the YouTube channel as well. And Parnell. Parnell, who just joined the Grit Network. Uh, we're very, very lucky to have him. He hosts a Commander's podcast, which, man, there's a lot of turmoil in Washington with Dan Snyder selling the team. For those of you who don't know the podcast, it's called the Commander's Demand Podcast. Be sure to go check that out as well. So looking forward to, to what's going to happen in the next few weeks, months. We are in the middle of March Madness. Not just in the college basketball tournament, men's and women's. By the way, Tennessee women's. Lady Vols will get to the Sweet 16. South Carolina with Dawn Staley and Aaliyah Boston will win the national championship. I got South Carolina winning the women's bracket. But we've also got March Madness in the NFL. In the NBA season, we've got like two and a half weeks to go, basically, until the postseason begins. So very, very exciting time in sports. Crazy next three months coming. We've got the NBA playoffs on the horizon and everything else. And Major League Baseball starts soon, by the way in like two weeks. So let's go. Baseball's coming back. Have a great weekend, everybody. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. God bless you all. Peace out. March Madness, baby. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.